It is Wednesday, November 8th, 2017, and this is the New Berean Podcast. I'm Tony Madden, your host, and we're going to get right into it. This episode is going to be about the things the church is doing wrong. Now, it's not going to be an exhaustive list. It's not going to be a bash the church. What it is, is going to be bashing the methodology that the church is using and ways that we are getting so many things wrong that are actually not helping the people that are walking into the church. Um, We're going to be looking at several things, and then these different topics are going to become future podcasts that are going to be a little bit more explanatory. It's going to be stuff we're going to be putting on the website. It is going to be a much larger picture of how we can improve as church leaders, as church members, as those that are wanting to bring people into our church so that they may experience the fullness of God, so that we may be able to lead people to the salvation that is Jesus Christ. Sit back, buckle up, it's going to be a wild ride. our first topic tonight is going to be one that's probably going to irk a few people in the church. But as new Bereans studying the scriptures to see if they are true, we're going to talk about truth. One of the first problems I see with the church itself is its marketing strategy. A lot of folks call it the church growth model. It's really seeker sensitivity is what it is. The concept is, is that you go into a neighborhood you do a survey you find out why people don't like to go to church and then they tell you all the reasons they don't want to go to church and then they come back to their board meeting or committee meeting and they start talking about the results of the survey the survey could be anything from well we don't like the kind of music that's played there's too much asking for money Uh, i had a bad experience in church when i was young you know all kinds of different reasons why people don't go to church and then what the problem is they begin to market their church to the unchurched with those things as key pieces of what their church is about. So a lost person, an unchurched person, or a person that hasn't been in a long time may walk into a new church. They say, look, we've done this. We've set this up so that we can please you. And then they come to church and what they've got is, you know, great contemporary music, not dogging the music. But the strategy behind it was wrong, that we're trying to appease the lost. We're trying to get the lost to feel comfortable in a church. And then we get um, a watered-down gospel message that is more about how people are, their lifestyle they're living, uh, how if they come to know Christ, they can have a better marriage, they can have a better family life, they may find better success in their jobs. And then all we ask them to do is just join with Christ so that they can experience those things. We put out tons and tons of postcards that invite people to the newest Saturday night event that we're going to do. We're going to have a large musical production with no preaching, just the music from the, from the worship band. And then we're going to have Easter egg hunt on, on Easter morning in the sanctuary. Or we're going to have a rodeo in the sanctuary so that we can get people to come in. Show them that we're a little bit different. We're a little bit hip. And we're a little bit more relevant to where they're at in their lives. 
multimedia productions, smoke and mirrors. And what we're doing is we're drawing people in. See, the scripture's a little bit clearer. I think that Jesus in his great commission when he sent out his apostles, he said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that I have taught you. I didn't see Paul putting together a marketing plan to reach the unlost. You know how he reached the unlost? He'd go find a group of them sitting next to a river and he'd start sharing the gospel with them. And then when they accepted the gospel, they would accept them into their home and boom, a church has started. And then that's how they reached people. The people of the congregation went out and found other people that were not believers and they would share the gospel. And then when they became believers, then they would come and be part of the fellowship of the believers. The church was never meant to be a place for the lost. The church was meant to be a place for the believers to worship corporately, to be equipped to go out and spread the gospel message. And then I keep telling people, we don't need gimmicks in the church. If we would just train people how to go out and spread the gospel and see people one, we would never ever have to worry about the growth of our church because it will grow systemically and it will grow exponentially because we're doing what the Bible tells us to do and we're not just relying on the culture to dictate what the church is going to do in its strategy it is ridiculous what we have become and it is ridiculous that the churches are filled up with two and three and four and ten thousand believers that are not out on the streets sharing the gospel with their friends and neighbors one of the keys to the great commission jesus says go and make disciples that is a you go and the idea in the greek behind go make disciples is as you are going as you are moving in life as you are doing your thing make disciples share the gospel and we'll see life change in the church The next area that we're going to talk about that the church is failing in is not just a failure, it is a miserable failure. And that is in training people how to use their Bible. Biblical illiteracy is rampant in the church today. George Barnett did a survey recently and one in four believers, I mean I'm talking about people that say they are believers in Christ, do not know the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Where does that come from? Where does a person not have that basic understanding in the church. What well, falls squarely on the laps of the leadership? You see, because leadership anymore, and I'm not going to say all churches do this, because there are some great Bible teaching and Bible training churches out there. So not every church, but many churches that are coming up in this church growth, seeker-sensitive uh, kind of model. The biggest concern in the board meetings and the committee meetings are how many people are in the seats on Sunday morning and what was the offering. Everything else is just stuff that we do. So, and you see it. I mean, it, you, you see it in how the churches are run. On Wednesday nights, when it's been kind of historically when most discipleship or training classes or biblical training came in, the classes have moved away from being Bible classes 
to being what really accounts to nothing more than a fellowship class. And you see the topics. You go into the church. They hand you a list of classes for Wednesday nights. Quilting. Photography. Basic guitar. Gun carry permit. Jogging. Now, there's nothing wrong with those kind of classes if you're doing it as just, you know, like CEUs, you know, continuing education education units, or uh, you're doing it for fun. But when it becomes part of the discipleship strategy of the church, it's failure. Now, discipleship is much more than just training people, you know, in Bible, but it's it's walking along with people. But if you don't have a Bible foundation, you don't have a base for your life that is rooted in Scripture, how in the world are you going to guide anybody to anything? How are you going to help them overcome a problem? How are you going to help them if their marriage is beginning to get on the rocks? If you don't know what the Bible says about marriage, about the roles of men and women, about how fighting is started, how are you going to be able to help anybody? Yet you're going to sit in a marriage relief class or divorce care class that kind of plucks a piece of scripture here and there to fit the agenda of the class. It's failure. Now, I like the academic approach. Not everybody's into that. You know, I like to be able to sit down with a group and say, all right, so now you believe now. Now, here is exactly what the Bible says is true about God. What it says is true about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, about salvation, about substitutionary atonement, about, you know, lots of different topics of theological importance, doctrinal importance. But the church is not teaching it. What we're doing is we're waiting and we're inviting people to come to church on Sunday mornings so that the paid professional can tell them what the Bible says. There's nothing about self-study anymore. Or they might tell them, now go and read your Bible. But if you don't train people how to read their Bible, they're never going to read it. Now, I can't say everybody. Please forgive me on that. But everybody needs to be taught in how to read their Bible. How to dig beneath surface reading or devotional reading. And how to rightly divide the word of truth. How to gain discernment in what Scripture says so that when the false teachers and the false prophets and this other garbage is creeping into the church, we know what the Word says. Preachers, we are called to be teachers. Preach the Word. Teach the Word. We love the pastor side of it where we get to be emotional and we get to love on people. But we're failing in the teaching part. I mean, why does a deacon, why is it said by Paul that a deacon must be able to teach? Because the teaching is important in the church. Teaching the word and getting people to a place where they can be good witnesses in society. And that they can share hope with people. Or, Or when people try to come against the faith, they have hope and they have a backing for what they believe. Let's get it right. The next area of church failure we're going to talk about is one that's very personal to me, and that is the area of church missions. Now, it's probably not as gets under my skin as bad as not teaching the Bible, but because of the work that I've done over the last 20 years in 
homeless ministry and working in missions and starting a transitional house missions is really big to I love missions and I love it done right the problem that I see in many church missions is that in the local mission what they do is what I call a drive-by mission they collect a lot of stuff and they take it to a homeless place or they take it to uh, a shelter and they dump all the stuff off now they typically do this highly around Thanksgiving to Christmas and then occasionally during the other times or they'll knit a bunch of hats and take them to a senior center or something like that and that's a missions project now what I have a problem with a lot of the drive-by missions even those that go in and build houses which is a phenomenal mission project is what is the purpose of it what's behind it now the purpose by most mission standards would be well we're going to do good for our community and believe me there is nothing wrong with doing good for the community I mean that is high high stuff right and we want to build favor with the people around us we want to let them see Christ at work but the ultimate work of Christ is sharing the gospel ultimately and most of the times in drive-by missions here's how the scenario goes church puts together a plan we're gonna go and we're gonna drop off a bunch of stuff under the bridge and then we're gonna sit and listen to the church service that's going on and we're gonna feed some people yay alright we got our plan now we're gonna go out and we do it and you get a good crowd to go with you and that's phenomenal and then after the service is done after the stuff's been passed out we come back to the church and then on Sunday morning we have a lot of pictures that we put up on the screen and we talk about how wonderful an experience it was for us and hopefully it makes a good impact in the people's lives that were there and the church applauds yay we do great missions one the homeless don't need everything we're giving them let me put that out there the poor do not need everything we're giving them now you may find a person that is in abject poverty as an individual or you may know them from work or wherever it's at they're, they're just poor and there's nothing they can do to get out of it maybe it's a widow on a fixed income or orphans or something like that and doing good and giving to them man it makes a difference in their lives that you would not imagine but when you go in mass to a group of the homeless in mass what you're doing is just really ultimately enabling them because they have so much stuff that's given to them from everywhere everywhere they can go to any social service department and get everything they need plus the missions themselves are overloaded the mission in Nashville is overloaded with stuff downstairs in its basement I mean overloaded and yet that's our mission strategy well what's the ultimate mission why don't we go and follow that why don't we go into these homeless areas or into these places that we feel sorry for people and sit down with them not just hand them out some stuff and say be well but why don't we find out what's going on why don't we embrace them why don't we take upon ourselves the importance of the gospel to share with them the hope that is in Jesus Christ why is it that they need stuff and us to feel good about giving them stuff when the stuff when we leave they use the stuff and let me tell you something about homeless ministry many times when you give stuff out like that it is sold by crack I guarantee it 
there's a huge black market on the streets. And if you give them a pair of socks, I guarantee you they're going to get a buck for it. And then they're going to sell the shirt that you gave them for $3. And if they're going to get up about five or six bucks, it's going to be enough to get them a crack rock. Every single day it happens that way. But if you go into an area like that and you start sharing the gospel, one of two things will happen. They will either embrace the gospel and they will change their lives or they will walk away because they don't want to hear it because they'd rather live in the lifestyle they're in. There is your mission strategy. The last area that we're going to talk about as a failure in the church is in its worship. The primary function of the church is to worship. We are to gather together corporately, lift up the name God. We are to place his name above all other names. Is that they get hung up on the musical aspects of it. Many churches use it as an attractive thing for the church. I've sat in a few church planting meetings where we're talking about how we can get people to come. The first thing that comes out of their mouth is, we've got a hip band, so that should attract young people. And it's failure, that failure. I had a Facebook discussion with a gentleman one time, and I was asking, what would happen if the church didn't have any music? How would we worship? And through a lot of discussion, it finally came down to, well, we must have music in the church to attract people, to get people to come through the doors of the church. If that's the case for the church, then there's no church. Because worship isn't a part of the church. Entertainment is part of the church. If I want to be entertained, I'm going to a concert. I went to Eddie Money a year ago and enjoyed the heck out of it. I lifted my hands up. I sang songs. I shouted. But I was being entertained. The music was songs that I knew and I loved. And when he did... Um, the final song, Shaken. Boy, oh boy, did I get all excited. I hoot and holler. But you see, I wasn't worshiping. I was enjoying myself. And that's not, the, that's not what worship is. You go into churches, and they've got these stage shows, and they've got these light shows. And I went to a church uh, maybe a few years ago. I don't remember exactly when. And their opening song was... Dust in the Wind by Kansas. I thought that was kind of cool, but I didn't see the purpose of worshipfulness of Dust in the Wind. There was some biblical analogy I could put to it, but for the average person, they're not going to tie it to biblical analogy. They're being entertained. I watched a video of a church that had their opening song was Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne. And then that same church, during that worship set, had a dance routine. I'm not too opposed to dance routines in church, but it was of Michael Jackson's Thriller. Where is that worshipful? How is that honoring the name of God? How is that lifting his name up? That is not worship. That is concert. That is performance. See, when I go to church, I want to be led to the throne of God by the worship leader, which on a side note, I don't see that distinction in Scripture anywhere. But if there's a worship leader and his purpose is to lead us to worship the Holy God, and the I and all I get out of it are a bunch of songs that sing that I sing that are about me and have religious overtones, 
I don't want it. I want songs that talk about the heart of worship. And the heart of worship is Jesus. It's all about Him. All about Him. There is nothing that I do. I should just come. Simply come to church. Simply come to His throne. Simply prostrate myself before the throne of God and praise Him for who He is, for what He did, and for His calling me into salvation. It's not about me. We live in such a consumer-driven society and a consumer-driven church that even our worship service is nothing but me, how I feel, my experience. And then we have songs that are out there, you know, talk, the opening line, it's crowded in worship today. Worship is a place we go. It's an event that we participate in. It's not what the Bible calls it to be. And the church is failing miserably in not leading its people to the throne of God or the throne of grace. And then the focus is worship. Its focus is the music. And the word gets watered down. And that is a piece of worship as well. I love the story of the Israelites and they came out of captivity. And their biggest excitement and joy was having the law read to them. This is squarely on the head of the leaders of the church, and we must do better. As we wrap things up, I just want to reiterate that not every church falls into the failures that were talked about tonight. There are some strong, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, worshipful, missions-driven churches in our country and around the world. So not every church is being talked about. Like I said, I'm not saying that these are failures I see in the church. But there are churches that are failing something terrible. They are giving up the purpose and the power that the church has. And in a lot of ways, they are becoming watered down and irrelevant, where church is becoming just another thing that we do it's another thing on the calendar and it's not becoming part of our lives we don't love the body we love ourselves and church helps us feel that in a lot of cases that's what I'm talking about so as we close up I just want to remind everybody you can follow us on Twitter T Bereans at T Bereans or our Facebook page at the new Bereans or you can email me at thenewbereans at gmail.com. I sure appreciate you being part of this. Leave me some feedback. Clap for me. Let me know that what you're thinking through this. And I look forward to talking to you tomorrow.